Welcome to the Daily Canon Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 281 of the Daily Canon Weekly Podcast. Stephen Bradley here sitting in for Matthew Wade as he feels it's more important to tend after his firstborn son than to host a podcast. I'm as disappointed and as disgusted in him as you are, I can imagine. But here to convey our dismay is Paul Williams. Where are Matthew's priorities? I, I don't know. I'm just going to make sure his hosting fee is spent on as many illegal drugs as possible. And Lana Dowd. He has no shame, does he? I mean, I, come on, just leaving us hanging. Who's more important, we or that baby? It, I, 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 I feel the same. Hopefully he'll come to his senses and re- return as host next week. We, we can only hope. But um, speaking of, of people losing their senses, Mikel Arteta picking Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang as a right winger. Like We can say many things about Arsenal's three-all draw against West Ham and we'll talk about the Olympiacos game for a few minutes as well. But Paul, when you saw the lineup, when it was Saka and Aubameyang picked, with Lacazette as centre forward. I'm sure you, as the rest of us, went, ah, oh, yeah, Aubameyang on the left, Saka on the right, Lacazette through the middle. It's all right. It's a little bit of square pegs round holes, but it might work. What was your immediate reaction when the game kicked off and Aubameyang was sitting on the right wing doing nothing? Um, I think it was a self-defeating selection, really, by Arteta. We've seen Uber on the right enough times to know that it isn't something that works particularly well um it's it's kind of weird because i think saka seemed a little bit nullified as well um but then again you could look at it and say the whole team was nullified in the 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 opening section of that match which was i I sort of feel partly responsible i I wonder if arteta and his players listened to this podcast and thought oh yeah paul's right it's just west ham because it seemed a bit like the players um it's really disappointing i think you know Uber on the right is one thing i think the way that we started the game is another thing and i don't think you can necessarily put it down just to that one tactical uh, or that one positional move um but when you saw a week ago arsenal start the game like they did against spurs and uh, dominate that game really for, for to go forward a week and then um you know if we turned up from minute one we would have won that game which is the overriding emotion i came away with uh so yeah i it wasn't the smartest of moves by arteta i'm sure he had his reasons um but yeah, I, I don't know what else to say about it, really, because I, I, I don't necessarily think it was just that one thing. We, the whole we, approach of the team seemed to be wrong. We we now pass the microphone to the Swedish president of the Alexander Lacazette fan club. Thank you for this magnificent role. I will be sure to treasure it and do a great job, as I have since 2011, September, when he scored his first goal out on the wings with you know, Lissandro and Gomez in attack. For those of you who are still children and don't remember that far back, other, for the other people, you can Google. I'm sure you know how to Google, considering you all Google nudes anyway. So, I agree with Paul. Uh, I don't think it's down to Aubameyang being shipped off wherever. I don't care where he's shipped off. He still sucks because he hasn't showed up since he's got his new contract. Let's be honest about that. 
Paul is taking off his glasses because he's, you know, ready to agree with me and be like, she's right. I'm joining the, like I said, president, you know, co-president. My <laughs> issue is that when you come off a game like Spurs, where you, you guys did win. Yes, you did. Because like I said, had the winning goal. You don't say then, oh, it's just West Ham. Because given this freak of a season, literally anyone can lose to anyone because it's the Premier League and it's fucking unstable. You can't go into a game like that and think, oh, it's an easy win. You actually have to treat every game as a final, except, you know, unless you're Leon and decide to lose the, you know, the two finals you've so far played. And I felt that Arsenal really didn't show enough respect, which we've seen them be doing so many times before does anyone need a reminder of the two games against monaco anyone i know you still get ptsd from that but let's be real here arsenal needs to start showing respects to every team they face i don't care if they're in the bottom three or in the top three or in the middle as arsenal is right now you're not in any position to be brushing off west ham who, let's face it, can actually beat whoever they want if they're put up to it. So to actually come away with the goal, let's all thank Alexander Lacazette for that because he worked his ass off. Uh, I mean, come on. Is anyone going to you know, disagree that Arsenal really needs to start showing some respect? I mean... I totally agree. I, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I... I... And... It's not. It's about respect, but it's also about players that make individual mistakes, and we've seen so many of them this season. That isn't about showing respect. That is, I, I'm not sure what it is. The thing that really pissed me off on Sunday was the sight of Thomas Partey, who has played for Diego Simeone for the last five years of his career, conceding a free kick just on the periphery of our box, having possession of the ball, giving it back to West Ham, and then turning his back, and everybody else turned their back. And there isn't anyone other than David Luiz looking at the ball. And we get done by something so simple. And maybe it is about showing respect, but it's also about really being switched on in games. And if you're not switched on in the Premier League, you get killed. And I guess it goes back to what you're saying about Arsenal not being good enough. Um, at the moment, every mistake Arsenal make, it seems to really, really bite us on the arse in quick time. And we are not good enough at the moment to turn our backs on a free kick and allow the possibility of that quick free kick to be taken. Um, I found staggering, particularly having just conceded that first goal, which was a brilliant strike by Lingard, um, which obviously I hate to say. Oh, it pained me so much when he scored. I was like, oh, for the love of God, please don't dance. Please don't dance. Oh, God, someone shoot me. And I actually genuinely fell asleep after that goal, after the free kick. My eyes were just like shut down. And then I woke up and it was like 3 0. And I was like, yeah, that's the last time I'm going to sleep during an Oslo game. <laughs> but I don't know what other word to use. Like, <laughs> it's about actually getting their shit together because they, they behave like they're so carefree, if that even makes sense. Because 
it's just so annoying to watch. It just feels so condescending and just like a slap in the face. It's like how many there's not we're out of, we're out of excuses. There's no excuses left. We're so far out in the season that you shouldn't be making these mistakes. And as you said, these mistakes they're not getting away with them because it's like, you know, the opposition know, okay, they're bound to make these mistakes. Let's, you know, take advantage of that. And also just like hand them on a silver platter. Here you go. We're screwing up because that's in our DNA these days. And how do you change that? Like when, when Aubameyang was made captain, we all know why he was made captain. He was made captain because we wanted him to stay. We did it with Thierry Henry for a year. We did it with Cesc Fabregas. We did it with Robin Van Persie. We were like, please stay. Please, for the love of God, stay here. Be captain. And he's taken that role and done very little with it. Like you could, I don't think anyone's going to make the point that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is the emotional heartbeat of this team. It might still be Granite Xhaka. And... God knows how many problems we have with him. He's playing well, but he's playing well at the moment because Thomas Partey's doing his running. Like he's now reduced himself to a deep line playmaker and he's playing okay because his his limits are being limited. You know, he's he's not being put into, you know, into situations where he has to run a lot or he has to make, you know, split second decisions because when he has to do both of those, he screws up. Right now we're playing a way that limits that and he's doing okay. But Playing Aubameyang at right wing was very much a case of Arteta looking at the way West Ham play against quote-unquote big teams. Five at the back, Cresswell as a centre-back, Ben Johnson as a left wing-back and thinking, right, that's their weakness. I want my number one runner, my best player at running in behind, down that channel. And then West Ham line up four at the back with no Ben Johnson. You're like, uh-oh, we've picked the wrong team here. We've picked Callum Chambers because we think they're going to lock the ball in again and again, but they've picked their four quickest lads. We might be screwed here. And for 37 minutes, they were. It's the fa- It's not the fact that Aubameyang's positioning, positioning and team selection led to Arsenal being 3-0. It's the fact that he did very little to get Arsenal into 3-all. To the fact that he was that he was celebrating off the pitch when Arsenal scored the third because Arsenal had taken him off to bring on someone who they thought could score a goal. That's how limited he can be. And I don't think Arsenal can afford their captain to have games like that. And unfortunately, for the style of player he is, half of his games are like that. Half or more. And I wish that he would be held to the same standard that apparently Alexandra Lacazette is. Or but he days. is. He got taken off. He does That's- get enough shit. If Lacazette has an off game, do you see the abuse he gets on Twitter? Do you see how fucking awful people are? Aubameyang has been ass shit ever since I, he got his new uh, fancy contract. I, mean, I, I, I don't I, see I, people no, no, talking no, wait, shit wait, wait, about wait. him the I, same way as Lacazette. I, you I, have I, to I, admit, Lacazette is the scapegoat of this team along with Xhaka. I, and they, those two might be the two that people uh, that actually show up to games, that actually work their asses off. But because they're such easy targets, the issue is that if Xhaka told fans often more enough to fuck off people would actually get in line i would gladly tell people to fuck up which i do on a daily basis to you know the haters but the issue is that every player has to be held to the same standards you can't make a case for obama young just because he's captain and he scored so many goals last season where was the goals that mattered in the games that you needed points to actually get top four where were they as he is way more limited 
in 70% of your games during a season. Yeah, Lacazette does not score enough goals. Fact. No, but he does more than just score goals. He's the link-up play from midfield to attack. He's the one that creates. He defends. He does everything. What? You can't expect him to be the sole scorer. Who else is going to do everything else that he does? I don't expect him to be the sole scorer. And I actually said on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, Arsenal needed to get their goal scorers into the team because at the moment, Saka does not score enough goals for the position he gets into. I would not drop Bukayo Saka in a heartbeat because he's brilliant. Lacazette, yeah, I would have him at centre-forward. Maybe, And I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. You have to go horses for courses. If you think it's Aubameyang, as it was against Leeds and he scores a hat-trick, that's great. If it's Lacazette, yes, he knits the attack together better than Aubameyang ever will. But you have the trade-off of him being in the six-yard box and dummying across from Kieran Tierney when he should be smashing it into the back of the net or not being on his toes for a cross that comes in that all but... All things being considered, would normally put away. He had a really bad night against Olympiacos last week, but he got in the positions to miss. And I'd rather have that at the sharp end of the attack. Now, it's all very well to sit here and say that Aubameyang had a really bad game on Sunday, and he did. He also had a really bad game on Thursday. I can accept that. He's been having a lot of bad games. He has had a few bad games, but he... I. I just I, I find it really hard as someone that wants the best for Arsenal Football Club to see someone that has scored goals, 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 goals for the last three years. And the first hint of a sign of a dip in form, it's let's throw Uber under the bus. If it wasn't for Uber, we don't win the FA Cup last season. Um, so... Yeah, I, it's not look, about throwing look, him under he, the bus. He had, look, a this bad, is a, he had a bad game on Sunday. Fine, he had a bad game. Whatever the reasons for that are, we don't know because we're not Mikel Arteta. We're not on the training ground. All we know is what we see. Ninety minutes. Um, Lacazette has had plenty of bad games in the last couple of seasons. Let's not turn Lacazette into the answer to all of Arsenal's problems. And there's a reason why Arsenal have not yet offered this guy a contract to stay beyond the end of next summer. If he carries on playing like he has on Sunday, he he probably gets that new contract. But he's got to do that. He has to do it game in, game out, Lana. And it shouldn't be about it's Orba or it's Lacazette. It's about no, no, that, 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 you're missing big. my point. My point is, it's a team. It's a team, right? There isn't an yeah. I in a team. Exactly. You can't pick and choose who to abuse. If someone has a bad game, you should criticize them accordingly. My right, issue here is that... Yeah, okay. You are talking about people on Twitter that are slaughtering Lacazette, slaughtering Granite Xhaka. I've got a mate who has been slaughtering Aubameyang for the last two years. And I th- personally, I think it's a little bit racially motivated, but we've we've had to put that to one side. Arsenal fans, generally, we're going to alienate a lot of people here. Probably not the people listening to this podcast. Let's put that caveat in. There are a lot of Arsenal fans out there that are absolute wankers, and they will slaughter people on Twitter. I've, I work on the basis that if you haven't got anything nice to someone... Don't say it. So I wouldn't go to Lacazette after he's had a bad game and say, oh, you fucking wanker, why didn't you score that chance? 
because I'm an educated person or I was just brought up to know right from wrong. So I, I, I accept that for you as a Lacazette fan, it must be really hard to see your boy getting slaughtered after bad games. But that isn't, that's not really, you know, we talked about this a few weeks ago, didn't we? There is a general problem with society where people seem to think they can just say what the fuck they want to whoever they want to and walk away with no consequences. And that's wrong. That's yeah. wrong. And I would, t- if you want to sit here and say that Lacazette shouldn't be getting that abuse, I agree with that. And to your point about criticising players when they've played badly, absolutely criticise them, but keep it respectful. And let's deal with it game by game. Yeah, like we, we can't really use Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or whichever social media platform you use as a respectable form of, of, of criticism because... Unfortunately, the the issue people. is that social media is such a huge part of oh, our of daily life. It's of a huge part of football. We we've seen it with other clubs how how vile fans can be. Yeah, but it's it's one of those the ones issue, where. The issue here is that you players should be held accountable to how they perform. The thing is, Aubameyang, fine, he's done well in the past. There's no denying that that he's been brilliant. He's been the sole. He's been a huge reason for some great victories. You know, winning the FA Cup, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The issue here is that he's been given a new contract, and can you honestly say that he's put at least ten good games together since he got that new contract? No. Can you? The yeah, thing is, probably, probably not. Probably not. That's my issue. He is made captain. He's got a big fat contract. And he still, he was benched against Spurs, which is arguably your biggest game of the season. It's against a rival. It's one of the biggest games of the season period in England. And he didn't even come on. Clearly, there's an issue here that he you know, there's issues behind the scenes. And as long as there's issues behind the scene as a team, you're going to be affected by it when your captain isn't brought up in one of the biggest games, when he doesn't show up to games in general. And people can, okay, yeah, but he's being played out of position. He's playing this and this and that, like I said, playing that. But it's not about that. You can, in their first season together, they did really well together. I mean, you know, they were complementing each other's, but there's clearly something going on. And as long as as that's not resolved or put out in the open, Arsenal is going to continue to be dysfunctional. And the not only not scoring enough goals, your issues are more at the back. It's the fact that you're letting in such silly goals. It's the you can score ten goals. It doesn't matter if you're conceding twelve. Well, Arteta said basically said that after the game on Sunday, didn't he? And, you know, that is, I I talked about this with Matthew a couple of weeks ago, you know, Arsenal were not going to get to where they want to get to as long as they keep picking players like Granit Xhaka week in, week out, David Luiz week in, week out, because you get five good games out of them and then one of them will do something stupid and it's absolutely nailed on. And now it transpires, it doesn't even have to be one of those two because the goalkeeper's got jittery feet all of a sudden. So I there there is a, I don't know whether it's mentality specifically, but there's a personnel quality issue. And a lot of these players that are in the team at the moment 
for Arsenal to get back to the Champions League, a lot of these players are going to go. Yep. And it's 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 going to be a case of picking which ones you keep and choose. Because yeah. we've said since the start of the season that a front three of Pepe, Aubameyang and Lacazette are completely ill-fitting. They're completely unsuited to each other's skill set. And seeing Aubameyang play right wing with Saka trying to flip between the lines and then Odegaard especially, who loves that inside right channel, who loves playing there. It was like, well, where's Aubameyang going to go? And then it became quickly clear that he was supposed to attack the right wing. And then after 15 minutes, it was like, oh no, he can't. He has to play left wing because Saka and Odegaard need to switch. And you're like, well, now Aubameyang's dropping deep, Saka's dropping deep, Odegaard's dropping deep. You're just inviting West Ham onto you because they're like, okay, they've already got one runner instead of Aubameyang. And you can see why he's trying to you know, shoehorn Aubameyang into the team. He's the captain. He's got a goal in every other game this season. But at the detriment of the side as a whole, can he then drop Lacazette, who right now is in better form than him? I don't think anyone would agree. Like, Aubameyang's last good game was Benfica when, they, when we won 3-2. Like, that's it. And Aubameyang, uh, Aubameyang doesn't add as much to the team when playing poorly as Lacazette does when he's playing poorly because at least he's able to link the play and then bring others into the game. Then it's up to others to make the runs in behind that Aubameyang is so good at. And it's finding that balance. Can you somehow have Aubameyang playing in the team and keep him happy because he's the captain? Or do you go actually this player is not a good fit for the way I want to play. I'm going to play Smith, Rowe, Odegaard, Saka and Lacazette because those four fit the way I want to play. It's it's almost like it's a Lidl version of Aguero at Man City where Pep has said for three, four years now, he doesn't fit in the way I play. He doesn't fit in the way I play. But Aguero's going, fuck you, I'm going to still score a goal every game. I dare you to drop me. And he can't because he keeps scoring. If Aubameyang had... Another 10 goals. He's got 13 goals. No, he's not. Hold on. He's got 14 goals in 31 games this year. Like, if that was even 20 or 22, then you'd be making the case that, yeah, you can't drop him because he's very likely to score a goal because he's nearly scoring a goal a game. But Aubameyang has 14 goals in 2,500 minutes. Lacazette has 13 goals in 1,900 minutes. Like, Lacazette is contributing more to the team than Aubameyang. And I'm not sure if that's something that long-term you can sort out without letting one of them go. The thing I, I think the Paul touched on it is that you need more goal-scoring uh, players. Hmm. You can't rely heavily on those two. Uh, I don't think you should expect a lot from Saka given his age, given None. this is probably his first real big season and we've already you know actually demanded a lot and we should you know praise the gods if he doesn't you know suffer a burnout like Jack Wilshire did Mm. so he is someone that needs to be actually very careful with him and but then my point is why isn't what's his face the wonder kid that you guys keep comparing to uh the next case is uh, Martinelli. Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Martinelli, yeah. He, he's, yeah, he's hasn't been brought on. I've seen him on the bench a lot. What's the issue? Like, what what's the case there? Because I well, see people of... screaming for, for him on 
Twitter. He he's come on on the last couple of games, and actually his cameo against Olympiakos was uh, pretty electrifying, wasn't it? Um, I, I don't know if you saw the game, Lana, but um, I, listen, I I I think. I did, can I just say, it's a real shame we've been talking about this for ages and I haven't mentioned how brilliant Martin Erdegaard was on Sunday. But um, We'll come to that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I I just think, for me, it's like we get too locked up in either or, or but lack of someone else or someone else. And what actually we should be saying is Arteta has to pick a team to win a given game. It's it's just how he sees it. Like I said about Auburn, you know, against Olympiacos. It's funny when we were talking about XG last week and Arsenal's combined XG of 0.44 in a game they win 3-1. Last week, our combined XG against Olympiacos is 2.86 to 0. whatever it was, and we lose 1-0. Um, but players are allowed to have bad games. Auburn, a few weeks ago, scores a hat-trick at home to Leeds United playing up front. So... It's not an issue of playing him up front. It's an issue, as it always is with players, it's about performance on the day. And, yeah, fair, I, I can see it here as someone that is a very firmly in the Aubameyang camp and say that he's not had a great season. There are reasons for that. And it may be the contract has something to do with it. It may be the fact that Arsenal absolutely stunk the place out for three months this season when Arteta was trying to work out how to move away from playing three at the back. And, you know, some people might want to say that Orba was a cause of that. I think he was probably a victim as much as a cause, more than a cause. The whole team suffered for three months. That's the reason why Arsenal were 10th. Post-Christmas, our form's been decent. The performances have been decent. So I just want to see Arsenal move on. And... You know, having the likes of Smith Rowe and Saka, of course, you know, and I've advocated for it as well. We cannot rely on Bukayo Saka to play the whole season because, like you say, Lana, he will end up killed at some point. He'll be totally like Jack will. I was at the Arsenal Barcelona game in 2011 that everyone still talks about Jack Wilshire bossing an entire Barcelona midfield basically on his own. Um, 10 years ago. You now. you wanted more yeah. games of those busting the midfield, but unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, being run to the him. ground. Yeah. So we yeah, have to so be we're... careful with Saka and we have to be careful with Smith Rowe. And that's why we've got Uber and Laka and Pepe who contributed with his wrong foot on Sunday. Thank God. Um, it's a squad game. It's a squad game. I think we the thing I think as you mentioned, there's too much focus on you're either Lacazette or Aubameyang. But if you look at it from an outside perspective, you should actually you might be semi jealous that you actually can pick from pretty two pretty great strikers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The issue here is we've mentioned before with Arteta is that he lacks his plan B's and C's. And he needs to be quicker to react. Fine, it's a learning curve. We'll give him that. But going into next season, he needs to, you know, if it doesn't work, have no shame. You're taking off your captain. You're putting on someone else. That, I think, had had those changes been done sooner, had he had backup plans, 
I think you would have been in a better position league table-wise. I think you would have benefited more from the squad selections had the right choices been made. And he's pretty far out in the season that these are things he should know by now. Yeah, well, he is literally learning on the job. Like, we do have to remember that, you know, and it's... and he trusts He's doing a better job than Pirlo, at, at least. So, I mean, <laughs> I, think I have no idea what Pirlo is doing. It's it's quite weird. There was a, I've, uh, it was, Stephen's already mentioned it, but there was a crazy bit of symbolism, really, that Arsenal scored and Aubameyang ends up joining in the celebrations, even though he's already been substituted. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you might look at that at the end of the season as some sort of metaphor for the transformation of this team but who who, who knows what the next but know, it's a perfect thing. mix though of youth experience you just need to weed out the bad ones and bring in someone that could directly replace them and given that we're in a COVID world right now I don't think clubs can demand too much money for their players compared to how they would have pre-COVID yeah, I think we're we're in a new reality that's hitting everyone pretty deep. So, say someone like Awad, who would have probably gone for 80, 90, would probably go for maybe half of it now because yeah. we're in a po- you know we're in a COVID world right now. Like last year and when that that's not you know saying he's not worth the money, but you have to be realistic. And you actually, it might be a blessing in disguise that you can actually afford players now than you like, probably would before COVID. Like last year when we went cap in hand to Stan Kroenke and went, look, we need 50 million for Thomas Party. Thomas Party is a really good player and I'm glad he's at the club. But if you'd said to me, don't sign Party, keep that 50 million and have it for this summer that 50 million would buy you a hell of a lot more than Thomas Party. Like it, mm-hmm. it might be one of those situations where you look at and you go, right, yeah, you might get our and someone. Like if you're like one of those eight to 10 clubs in the world, like Arsenal that can afford to pay someone 200,000 pound a week, stretch contract over five years. Frankly, you, you could go to Leon and go, right, okay, here's 50 million for our, our bring your mate, bring the pie. Like it's, even though they they have to pay off this 120 million pound loan that they took out from the government, that's factored in into the finances. Like Arsenal aren't in too bad a spot. Touch wood. How's that going back to August? It's going to be interesting to see how many other clubs can do that. You know, Manchester United are going to be able to do that. Chelsea and Man City are obviously going to be able to do that because they just need to reach into their wallet and pull out 100 million in cash. It's there. But after that, Bayern Munich aren't planning on buying much. Juve are broke. Madrid are broke. Barcelona are broke. There's no real input of money. There's not going to be no. There's no stimulus package like Barcelona gave to Liverpool six years ago when Liverpool were going, "Oh my God, how are we going to get out of this mess?" And then, well, here's 140 million pounds from the Bank of Santander. How delightful! And bought Virgil Van Dijk and Allison with it, and the, and, the, and the rest is history. Like. That magic bullet isn't coming Arsenal's way. And at some we've seen it in France, though. We've seen it with a lot of clubs that Lyon are probably, you know, if you exclude PSG, Marseille on the, are, the, are on the brink of, you know, being, you know, bankrupt. A lot mm. of clubs, Lille as well. 
Leon can actually be like, holy shit, I'm so glad we're heavily dependent on our academy and didn't actually splurge a lot of money. Yeah. So we're safe. And Leon might be the probably the only club in France that can say that, barring PSG. And yeah. they're like, okay, fine. We didn't actually do too bad too bad because we can thank the ladies for winning three fucking trophies and getting a lot of cash. So thank you, ladies. So <laughs> I mean, you know, one gets trashed for two, the ladies beat them one nil. So but that's that's the way yeah, league's gonna say, go. Yeah, it's yeah, gonna, let's just gonna say be... the weekend for me was really, really bad. Watching PSG beat the crap out of us 4-2 and Leo not deciding to show up until an hour had gone. Yeah. Really fun. Yeah. It's then watching you, you have to start playing at half an hour and then things will be all right. And then watching Juve lose to fucking Benevento. Oh, that was just cherry on the cake. And then halftime, West Ham 3, Arsenal nil. And I'm like, what did I do to deserve this? The really, the really funny thing about our game was, as as bad as we were, as soon as it we was got comical, that first, though. it was. But as soon as we got that first goal, it was like, oh, actually, we might get something out of this. Like as it got the assist, though, because it went. Uh, well, down I think he's goal. very unlucky not to get the goal. To be honest, he worked his ass off. He was superb on Sunday, absolutely, absolutely, and he deserved his equaliser. I'm so happy for him. And credit for the first goal. Um, I just wanted to pick up, Stephen, like I've heard you say it a couple of times on Obama uh, Yang being given the captaincy because we wanted him to stay. I think there's a wider issue at the club, and I don't doubt that that was part of it. The issue was, once it had been taken from Granite Xhaka, who the fuck is there to give yeah. it to other than Sideshow Bob. And if Sideshow Bob gets given the Arsenal captaincy, I'm going off to support Crystal Palace for the rest of my life. <laughs> or I'll go to QPR. Because I'm not... Uh, David Luiz could not be the Arsenal captain, but everyone talks yeah. about his leadership qualities. There's, there doesn't seem to be anything else. And that's part of what Arsenal are going through at the moment, is where are the leaders on the pitch? Absolutely right. Although it does not seem is not a leader of men, at least not as Arsenal fans understand understand leaders of men to be. But where are they? Like literally, yeah. I think we talked about it last week. Kieran Tierney <laughs> seems yeah. to be the closest thing we've got, and yeah. even he didn't cover himself in glory at the weekend. So, nope. <laughs> but Louis seems like they talk really brightly about him, like. Mm. Uh, the the you the, the youngsters do apparently in training the two names I've seen been brought up a lot of in terms of leadership has been David Luiz and uh, Lacazette. I've seen Smith Rowe talking a lot about how Lacazette has really yeah. put it on him to take them under their wings. And you know, there really isn't a direct answer to what leadership is, but it could be a mix of a lot of things, you know. Uh, taking charge, being there for the youth, but it just David Lewis is really isn't a bad leader at PSG, he did really well uh, Chelsea, they adored him, thought he was a really good leader, it just seems that we there isn't a definite answer to what a leader is, and it hasn't been at Arsenal for a lot of years I mean, the last time you had a really proper leader was probably Patrick Vieira, I mean, we're not going to call Henri a leader, because <laughs> He's not. 
man couldn't even show up to a World Cup final. So, you know, we're dodging that one. I think Sesk maybe. I think Sesk was good captain at Arsenal. Yeah, he, in, he, in the think, Vieira sense, not yeah. in the Tony Adams sense. Yeah, yeah, he was given it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like he was definitely given it. Just I, to, but he was like, "Oh, I'm captain now. Or I've got a job to do." And well, again, raise his I think level. Like twenty years old when he was given the captaincy. Yeah. He yeah. actually, you you didn't care about age because he actually was a good captain until Barcelona came and screwed with his head, which was you know bound to happen anyway. Fuck Pepperoni for that. <clears throat> Here we are dragging up past uh, glories. <laughs> yeah, well, what else have Arsenal fans got? Eh? <laughs> Let's talk about how fucking brilliant Martin Odegaard is. Come on, guys. But yeah, talking about the future, Martin Odegaard. Uh, is he playing? Say it after well? me, Stephen. Martin Odegaard. 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 Erdogan, as in I like I'm, I, I'm like a like a 19th century monk who sees blood on the floor. Erdogan. The the oh. two A's becomes an A with a circle on top. You don't have that in your alphabet because you know no. you're a bit backward. No offense, yeah. actually, take offense. But yeah, so in Norway, because we're bored with our names, so just like put two A's together and yeah, Martin Erdogan. But he says it's fine. You can call him other guy. Yeah, it's yeah I saw that video. Yeah, I thought that was nice of him to be honest. It reminds me of Jermaine like, Genius. You're, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna butcher my name anyway. So yeah. like, it's, it's fine. Like, I won't. It's like Jermaine Genius, who for years was pronounced Jermaine Dennis, and nobody said a thing. And then just randomly on match of the day, playing for I think it was Newcastle at the time, they said, "Well, Jermaine Genius, man of the match," and he goes, "It's Genius." And it was like, what? What do you mean? That's not how your name is pronounced. We've been saying it the other way for years. And it's, it, and it's like, no, no, it's genius. Well, why did you say something when nobody asked? But there's like, okay. There's, and you would think, oh, well, that's going to be the most embarrassing he'll ever be on national TV. Oh, how we were wrong. Indeed. But, but in terms of so you butcher name, English names as well as, so yeah. you butcher English names as well. All right. Yeah. So the French shouldn't be offended. Oh, God, no. No, no, that's what the English do. They they just make they assume that what they're doing is right and make everyone else bow accordingly. Pretty much. Right. But straight so, white English male privilege. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> and here's the thing. If Odegaard spelling is obviously gonna be a bit of a problem, should I anticipate that problem when I have his name on an Arsenal shirt next season? Because frankly, I can't see it. Oh, I mean, you you guys are attached, aren't you? Of course, he's bloody good. <laughs> he's bloody good, but like the better he plays, and he's playing really well right now. And you know, touch wood, his ankle injury that he picked up against Gibraltar isn't that bad. But oh, he's fit to play on Saturday. Yeah, if he's this good for us, and he was just as good for Sociedad last year, the powers that be of Real Madrid aren't going to sell him, at least not for cheap, and. The better he is for us, the more we're going to want him and the more they're going to want for him. And it's this balancing act that it's almost like don't play it too well because we want you to stay. But if Real Madrid said, go ahead and say, okay, we want you know, his, his, his country part, um, Erling Haaland, 
if he wants if they want Haaland and Dortmund to go, yeah, no bother, we want 75, 80 million for him because that's his release clause. And Madrid go, we haven't got that money. Would you take Martin Odegaard in 20? Then I still have a problem. Like there it's yes, we're in the box seat right now because we can talk in his ear, we can show him how nice London is, and we can show him how nice the Emirates is and playing our football, and maybe we'll be really good in two years, but we're not in control of this. We're just lucky to get him. And I'm not sure how much control we have over being able to get him next season. If Madrid go, we need money, can we have 80 million, please? Because Arsenal are going to look in their pockets and go, uh-oh, will you take this butter voucher? But the thing is, if if Madrid, if Madrid goes and be like, we want Arling Holland, they would obviously would want him with uh, uh, the good. Because hmm. they're the duo. Because they play together for the national team, obviously that's gonna, you know, then transfer it over to club level. I think, um, I think Lee put a story about that in our Slack chat yesterday. Yeah, I seem to yeah, because apparently uh, he joked about it in the media that he was bringing uh, Holland to the Emirates. <laughs> I'd sell Aubameyang for that. I'd sell the players. On loan players selling Arsenal fans' dreams. Oh, this is just going to end so badly in so yeah, many ways. So, well, that, that's basically what I was going to say. I, you know, we all have our roles on this podcast, and um, I think mine is to be slightly boring at times. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to worry too much about what happens in the summer. I'm just going to enjoy. Just enjoy it, yeah. Enjoy what the what it is now, and what what, what he's given us um, is someone who creatively and technically can replace and possibly might even be better than Smith Rowe uh, technically defensively he he works his absolute rocks off and I think I said this the other week you can see now why Meza Ozil was let go because clearly this is what Arteta wants um so yeah it, but it you might like... have a chance though but because apparently Zidane doesn't want to play him mm. Yeah, well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because there seems to be the president of Real Madrid who ultimately is, you know, if Zidane doesn't do certain things by the end of the season, will he be in a job next next summer? And, and then the situation changes. Um, so, you know, if we've got a chance to sign him in the summer, then fantastic, great. But we're totally, as Stephen said, we're not in control of that. All we can do at the moment is enjoy what we've, we've got now. And what we've got now is someone that inspired Arsenal to get out a point on Sunday. They had no right of getting And actually, I feel silly because about three weeks ago, I said, this guy's never going to score any goals for us. And <laughs> he gets the equaliser in the North London derby and scores an absolute banger at Olympiacos. So, you know. There are no absolutes in football. That's that. That's what we should all remember um, every day. Um, you might let be allowed to have him on loan because my I, my sense of the whole thing is that he's not shiny enough for Real Madrid. Yeah. yeah, he's not too. He's not the kind of player you would have in your team because we all know that Madrid are used to shiny new toys. You know, yep. Holland, Kylian Mbappe. Like yep. Pogba, uh, whoever is, uh, you know, uh, even yeah, for Foden, for City, because yeah. they're shiny toys. 
uh, the god isn't a shiny toy because he's someone that keeps his head down and plays beautifully. And what Madrid wants is someone who's basically whoring themselves out every week, you know, in the yeah. media and everything. He yeah. doesn't get the hype. So, and this is a team or a club that prides themselves on having the newest shiny toys. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones where he's played, he plays as a 10 and he kind of plays right wing. But the more I look at him, and maybe this is sacrilege on an Arsenal podcast, he's the spit of Luka Modric. Mm-hmm. He and should be the automatic replacement if yeah. you're smart enough. But then again, is when has ever Madrid been smart? They sold Makaleli yeah. to Chelsea. Come on. Yeah, but you saw. <laughs> but even yeah, they do that? Why? because they wanted because they wanted David Beckham. Why? Yeah. <laughs> Why did they do that? Why? Because he wasn't shiny enough. Beckham uh. was. Do you know how pissed Zidane was? Like, there's a tell-all well, with Zidane imagine. for like a day. De- yeah, 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 there's like, no, it was Ancelotti, I think, who mentioned it in his book. Someone did about how pissed Zidane was that he wanted to leave because it's like, it's his country fellow man. But also, the guy has a role named after him. Come on. He's probably the greatest of all time in his position. And then goes to Chelsea to play for Jose Mourinho. He's like, you don't attack. No, I just sit in front of the back four. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> you know, and it's 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 going to be like I said, if like Modric is going to stay next season in Madrid, if he was going to move on this summer, they have the natural replacement. But when Arsenal were three two down, they brought off like they brought off Aubameyang and brought on Pepe. They put um, Odegaard at centre mid beside Party, and yes, Arsenal got attacked on a little bit, but. They were on top for a good 30 minutes of that game because they were constantly getting the ball into dangerous positions. I'm not saying Odegaard might be long-term solution as centre mid for Real Madrid. It's that the year when, and it's the only thing Harry Redup ever did of tactical nows at all, was tell Luka Modric, you're not playing at 10 because I play 4-4-2 because I'm an English old fart. I'm playing you as a centre mid. And he was brilliant. And it might be a case where, yes, we're looking at Odegaard and going, oh, well, if he's here long term, he might play in the same position Smith Rowe's in. I would be very interested in seeing a midfield three at some stage, maybe in a league game. Oh, uh, well, Arsenal have done it with Santi Cazula. Yeah. And he's versatile enough to literally play wherever you want him. And you need those kind of players. You need players that are versatile enough to play literally anywhere you want them. Mm. And I think you need to bring in more of those players and not limited players, not to bash Aubameyang, but unfortunately he is very limited. Uh, You know, if he could just add more to his game, he would be undroppable. But the thing is, the way Arteta, the way Arteta plays, he needs these kind of players. He needs basically a city team, or yeah. you know, yeah, a, someone like Leipzig, Lyon that play the style of football that he wants. I mean, if, if you, Rudy Garcia we, can do it, why can't you? Well, that's that's why all the talk was of his obviously leaving Leipzig, uh, leaving uh, yeah, uh, Red Bull Salzburg to join Arsenal because he would have been perfect for it. I know he's he's injured now and he's going to be seasoned, but yeah, him in that system would have been perfect. But that's the kind of player Arsenal need to be bringing in. Like, if you are going to commit to Arteta, you need to bring in players that fit in the way he plays. And Aubameyang isn't that. Pepe isn't that. 
There's so many players. Is it the hard that? In, like it's, in Pepe's defense, I think, you know, that little team, they were brilliant that season. They were really exceptional. He was a key player in them reaching the Champions League and yeah. every all that. I think he's been very unlucky. And I it's a mix of having, you know, Emery, God, I keep forgetting that Emery was at Arsenal. And then we the turbulence. Every day. <laughs> <laughs> and then the turbulence of Freddie Jungberg and then Arteta. I mean, he is still very young. And yeah. if I think I think, you know, we've seen now that he's he can do it. You've seen he's when he, you know, is play, played in the right position. Wow, he's actually really decent. Imagine if you actually played players in their positions. And I think if you work enough on him, you can actually be able to, you know, have him be more versatile. He's still young. He has years ahead of himself. And, you know, I haven't always been his biggest fan. I don't think he was worth the money you paid for him. But given that you are in the situation you are, you might as well keep him, work on him. And maybe in a few years when we're probably back in a post-COVID world, he could go for twice as much. Yeah, I mean, that he, thinking, but that's 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 Arsenal's problem right now. They've got so many players that it's Deadwood is not the right term because it's not like it was five years ago. But there's so many players that have a value, and you could easily see in other teams that Arsenal need to sell to rebuild. Like there are players mm-hmm. that Arsenal need, and how do you sell all of them? Is my point when no one has money. You know, everyone's looking around looking to sell players. Like I said, Leon with Depay has gone from, oh, yeah, I'm off to Barcelona next year. Yeah, no, what about it? To still going, oh, I might stay here because there's no market because no one has money. Genie Boylaldum is desperate, desperate to be able to say, I'm off to Barcelona. And Barcelona, are like, yeah, we're not sure about this at the moment. Barcelona um, are on the verge of bankruptcy. And yeah. Depay, I think genuinely, if I'm Depay, I'd stay. Not because I'm being biased. Of course, I'm always biased. But the thing is, for example, look at the attack of Lyon. They have Toko Kambi, who is missing more than he scores. Oh, who does that remind you of? You mm. have, you know, Tino Kadwari. He's legit just came from League Two last season. And it's his first game in the top flight. But they all complement each other. And when you take off, say, Depay, you can bring on, for instance, Ryan Sharkey they still have a pretty balanced front three. So what Arsenal needs is to find that balance, as you mentioned earlier. And I think the way forward is loan deals. Yeah. And lots and lots of them. Who is willing to send out a player on loan just to, you know, get get that market value up again? And then can, send back, have a, have a chance of actually selling him on a higher market value because he performed really well at another club for an entire year. Can't, can't wait to get Jesse Lingard in the Arsenal shirt. <laughs> well, at no, least they stopped scoring against us. Yeah, if you can, you know, beat them, sign them. That was Juve's motto for a few years. Look at them now. Oh, yeah. So before but, we go, before we go, anything that, has stood out from like the international fixtures over the last couple of days. Like obviously over here, we were delighted at watching Ireland score twice. The first time they put two two goals in a game in over three years. First time they scored in the year and a quarter. I mean, it it international break isn't really lending itself to many narratives other than oh god, more football. 
I am pretty happy because I get to see Zlatan Ibrahimovic back in a Sweden shirt for the first time in five years. Sweden are currently 1-0 up and he had the assist. Um, France fucking sucked and scored both goals against Ukraine yesterday. An own goal and a goal to equalize. So That's, that's Deshaun yeah. getting in his usual, you know oh, that- I'm going to screw up and just play, play whoever I want and then your 2021 come around oh we're great for three weeks win it again and saw it off like that's <laughs> so i'm peachy this international break yeah peach is my new word are you peachy got... paul <laughs> well I, I was just thinking about callum campers um i was i was just thinking about all this players guy, this, this guy that hasn't pl- he's played like one game in the last i don't know however many months plays right back um, apart from Odegaard was clearly the man of the match on Sunday, you know, set up both of, uh, two of the goals, three of the goals, two of the goals, two of the goals. At, yeah, two of the goals. And, um, I'm just thinking about him and thinking about Arsenal's little centre back problem that they've got brewing and thinking about the amount of players at the club that can currently play right back. And I think we know that one of them is probably on the way in the summer. Mm-hmm. Why is no one thinking about Callum Chambers for the right side centre back position that he was making his own before he got a cruciate ligament injury uh, a year and a half ago? Because they've spent money on David Luiz and Pablo Mari and Gabriel. Oh, okay, and so let me. William Saliba pa- and Pablo Rob and, uh, I forget that Saliba Left left sided centre backs. Yeah. Lieber, who knows what's going to happen with him? I just think actually, you know, there's this sort of conception that maybe we keep David Luiz for yet another season as a safety net. Um actually, no, let's get rid of Sideshow Bob. Put Chambers in at right centre back. We've got Rob Holding there as well. And Saliba gets a chance to develop at his own pace. Saliba's done at Arsenal. Given his love for giving interviews, I do not see him coming back. Yeah, I think that's an open. He's, another he's player done, that he's done want really well. Minutes. Yeah, yeah, he's done like, really well at this. Arsenal yeah. have got to give that. They cannot afford to just bomb somebody out that they've spent thirty million pounds on and watched in two under twenty three games. But they will. That's going to be like, watch me, bitches. I'll do what I want. <laughs> yeah. Well, and maybe that'll be, which is all the more reason to have a look at Chambers on, on that side of the defence, because he might give you a more reliable option than David Luiz. Yeah, and it's it's going to be, there's a lot of interesting transfer stories that are going to develop over the next couple of months as Mikel Arteta shuffles his pack and realises that he's, got a first 11 and maybe that's it and then goes right I can afford to sell you I can afford to sell you I can't afford to sell you but I need to sell you because I need 50 million for him like there's gonna there's a lot of decisions that are going to be made over who needs to stay and who they want to stay and whether that's a Venn diagram that's a nice neat little package or Arsenal have to make some rather awkward decisions around a couple of players that they might want to keep yeah, I, th- I think the nice thing is... Who do you think 100% is staying? Mm. <laughs> on, the honestly, goalkeeper, on, yeah. the goalkeeper will stay. 
God. Said genuinely probably. Yeah, there's no one at Arsenal that I that if that's untouchable. No one. No one is safe. No one is safe. And I mean that in terms of either us wanting them to stay or us having to sell them for the need of money. I, I think Thomas Partey will be <sighs> not going anywhere. I think we can say that. Fast forward three months. Why did Paul say that? Yeah, like there, there's... <laughs> my point being is that I, I saw exactly what happened with Raheem Sterling at Liverpool. Is my point. I love Sterling. And if Arsenal finish 10th and they're not in the Champions League and they're not in Europe next year and City rock up with their tank full of £50 notes and shoot it at Bakaya Saka. Oh, don't, don't. I've already I'm had just a saying. mate of mine that is a City fan. He's like, oh yeah, that Bakaya Saka. I said, he doesn't score enough goals. Forget about him. <laughs> neither, neither, neither did Sterling at Liverpool and they still yeah. got £50 million from him. That's, that's oh, my listen, worry. I, Saka, once he... Once he starts, I, I do think it'll be like the Aaron Ramsey, Cesc Fabregas thing. Once he scored a couple of goals and gets on a run, he's going to be 20 goals a season, that boy. Hopefully mm-hmm. for us. Hopefully for us. He seems like someone who would actually stay, though. That's yeah, why they, that's why they so. give him seven. They're like, here, you're the next Perez. You're next. Simple as. Yeah, like, like he, 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 it's like he genuinely reminds me of those, like, young young players coming through now because you know we see so little of loyalty but you have like just for instance the fact that you know Awad decided to stay that's like he he wanted to stay he could have easily said no you know I want to go and Aulas would have been he always respects his players wishes he's done it with so many before that but he knows what it's like to be loyal and I think Saka really reminds he gives me hope that you know there's still that sense of loyalty left despite it being a money grabbing culture at this point uh, but so yeah please don't shoot me if it ends up him leaving <laughs> first city you don't know where I live Paul so I'm gonna go into hiding if that ever happens <laughs> to be honest Lana you'd be the last person I came looking for if that happens so don't worry don't worry um I I, I think with Saka things would have to go really really peaked on at Arsenal for him to leave I think he's he, he's at Arsenal at least for the duration of this contract and hopefully beyond and the same with Smith Rowe but they'll stay if they can see success coming um, if Arsenal were going to end up fucking around in mid-table for the next five years, maybe less so. Um, but, you know, and I would back their right to leave in that situation. There you go. A wonderfully optimistic outlook to the end of a podcast, just the way I, I, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I've done your outro for you. <laughs> yep. We'll talk to you next week, listener. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>